You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. And I guess I'd start out that there's two species of clouded leopard, but they're both similar. So you have the clouded leopard and then the Sunda clouded leopard. What can they teach us? National Zoo, a zoo in Thailand, and Nashville Zoo, they've also uh, been able to radio collar uh, a few clouded leopards. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. I'm excited about clouded leopards, Angie. I have had the opportunity to interact with them in a zoo setting, you know, early days at the San Antonio Zoo. It was a, a fun species to work with. This is one that I'm just excited to bring to the listeners. Well, Chris, I'm in love. And I know I fall in love every week, it seems like, but it's really, for me, a fun cat. I didn't know a lot about the clouded leopard coming into this, uh, being more of a hoof and horn uh, zookeeper in my past life. Uh, I never really worked with the exotic cats. Uh, of course, my husband chimed in and he uh, he had never worked with one directly, but he knew, of course, all the answers to my quiz quest- questions except for one. <laughs> oh, which okay. We'll, yeah, we'll touch on that. Do they purr or don't they? So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about that. It was, a, it was fun, uh, just funny being around him and and how how dorky we are when we talk our animal facts. But I just fell in love with the clouded leper. And yeah, today we're going to be talking about one of the smaller species of the large cats that are just beautiful uh, to look at. And I watched so many videos of just their agile movement through trees and climbing up and down logs. And their coat pattern is just stunning. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Hence yeah, their yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. Clouded leopard. We'll talk about that. But it, it's it's been a while since we've done a felid, and I I I I know you wouldn't know this this quiz question, but we did one last October that I would have thought was a canid, but it's actually a felid. Hmm. Let's see if my mom brain, my tired mom brain. I know. I know. Episode one eighty six. Well, <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> um, that's uh, thank goodness you're not my charades partner or whatever, because that clue yeah. would not that or, or uh, what is it, ten thousand dollar pyramid? Yes, that clue would not help. Um, can we get a little more clues? Going? Okay, uh, part of the name is something an animal that howls at the moon. How about that? Part of Ardwolf. Yeah, good. Woo! Good. See there, that's my partner working with me. I love mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. So it ha- yeah. So it's been a while, and I, mm-hmm. I actually have a lot more cats on my list. I want to do the fishing cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it's glad to be back. It, it, maybe that's why it's so much fun prepping for this podcast. The, actually, the past couple of weeks we had a, a few weeks to work on this. So yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it should be great. I know, I know, and it, it's we do have fishing cats here at the Hamilton Zoo in New Zealand. So exciting. cool! Yeah. Oh, yeah. get some video of those. I will, I will, I will. I'll talk to Jesse. But yeah, we did jaguars back in April 2020, and then we did do episode five early, early, early days. Rough, painful, days. painful. <laughs> They're still out there, and they always say leave your 
old episodes up because people like to see how you've grown over the years. Okay, but fair enough. Mm-hmm. November 28, 2017, we did a whole episode on leopards because we didn't think, I don't know if we knew we'd be doing this four years later, but. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> no. <sighs> but to pull out the clouded leopard because we didn't really even touch upon them uh, in that list. So great species, vulnerable. There's And I, and I guess I'd start out that there's two species of clouded leopard. But they're both similar. So you have the clouded leopard and then the Sunda clouded leopard. Mm-hmm. But total, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, there's fewer than 10,000 mature in- individuals is what yes. Yes. the yeah. most recent count was, which was over 10 years ago. Yeah, they're they're hurting. They're hurting bad in, in that part of the world in, in Southeast Asia and down into in- Indonesia. So we're going to touch upon that a little bit. But I just want to say thank you to April and Chris. It's been a couple of weeks, but thank you so much for joining Patreon and being so generous. Again, what is Patreon? It's a way you support Angie and I in putting this content out. We do give back to organizations. So the poll for July is, is going on right now on Patreon. So go check that out to give back to an organization. So we do give portions of that and then the other portions goes to pay his maintenance costs and everything like that and it's all you know five dollars american a month one cup of coffee that's that's less than a starbucks now i think with inflation so thank you so much for your support it means the world to us and i just want to say we did release a special episode for them a couple weeks ago the blue-footed booby so that's a patreon only exclusive and we're working on some more exciting content to come for them Yeah, and I want to give a big shout out to a couple uh, people that gave us great five-star reviews on iTunes. We're over 300 ratings, which is awesome. So please keep those coming. But a big shout out to BCR1980 and to Diane Stone and to Parrot Turtle Penguin Emoji uh, (laughs) for your kind words calling us a diamond in the rough. uh, And another one, a uh, for calling us the best podcast ever. Woohoo! Thank yeah. you, BCR uh, 1980. So, all those kinds of words really help Chris and I do what we're doing. And I know it's probably a little dorky, but usually before I start a podcast, I actually like will check the reviews uh, just to see if anybody cares if we keep going. <laughs> so, it always helps pump me up like, okay, okay, I know it's 11 o'clock at night. And I got a few hours before the baby gets up, but okay, let's get this research going. Um, so no, actually the baby's pretty awesome. He sleeps a lot. So, uh, anyways, but thank you for your kind words. And uh, like Chris said, join us on Patreon, or if not, just drop us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps get this podcast in circulation, which is why Chris and I do what I do. We believe in free education for all, for the masses, Mm -hmm. uh, and if any of this information helps get people excited enough to want to conserve wildlife, then that is why we're here. That's our mission, right? To help all creatures, great and small. And um, through your good ratings and your donations, you are helping us do that. Thank you. Yeah, it takes, yeah, a, it I, takes a village. It does. It does. And you know, this is the decade that we we need to change everything. You know, as as the world burns around us, literally in some parts. So we really need to keep pushing this message. And then just a quick shout out to Jill from Colorado for the great email. Rachel in the UK, who's helping us out with the podcast now. So uh, we'll give some more info on that in future episodes. But we need to get to the Cloud of Leopard, Angie. The description of this cat, I I will start off with the size. Imagine a a collie or a small lab. 
you know, the males are bigger than the females. The females are small collie size. The males are small lab size from what I remember being up close and personal with them, but beautiful cats. Yeah. Like between 24, 50 pounds Mm -hmm. or 18 and 22 kilograms. So a small cat, uh, especially when you were thinking of tigers and lions and some of these other large exotic cats. So it definitely is smaller in stature and the clouded leopard has proportionately short legs and a long tail. And we'll talk a lot more about their legs and their tail when we get to their climbing ability because the cloud leopard is one of the best climbers in the cat world. They do some serious acrobatics, which we'll touch on when we get into the behavior. But if you basically start with their head, uh, they kind of have a cartoon leopard face, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not very good or artistic at drawing things, but if I was, their face is just like the perfect leopard face. They have this huge nose and it's typically pink. Sometimes it has little black spots on it. And the ears are short and round. And then when we get to its coat, this is where it just gets beautiful. Uh, Their coats are usually like a yellow, gray, or tan brown in color at the base. But their coat, being a leopard, right, uh, are covered with dark spots or blotches um, that are distinctively cloud-shaped, or some people call them elliptical. And these circles or ovals or clouds form all over their body in kind of a irregular pattern. They're a little bit bigger on their shoulder area and their barrel. And halfway through their body, they kind of get smaller and different shaped. And it really is just like looking up at the clouded sky. And within the clouds, they're like giant rosettes, if you will, for lack of better terms, where they have their ring, they're black and in color, but then also in the center is more of the tannish yellow color. I am not doing this cat justice. I have not seen one up close and personal, Chris. And after reviewing this podcast and watching lots of videos, I really want to just see them up close because they're just like eye candy. Oh, they're, they're, they're beautiful cats. They're, and they're fun and not very aggressive. Didn't bite my finger off. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good step in the direction. Yeah. That, Behind the scenes, scratching a, a clouded leper on the shoulder, but yeah, they have those largely space rosettes, but they are they're They look like clouds. And again, just to remind the listeners with leopards, the rosettes are those irregular shaped semicircles. They're just irregularly shaped. Now, a jaguar, remember this, a jaguar has rosettes with spots inside them. So with the clotted leopard, you have these large, large rosettes with, with no spots in them. A regular African or Asian leopard, you would have rosettes with no spots inside. Then you go to South America to the jaguar that has rosettes but has spots in them. So that's one way to tell the difference between the, the, the two. Always had trouble at zoo. Like, oh, is that a jaguar? Is, is that a leopard? I, you know, plus jaguars are just beefy. I mean, they're, they're just, they're stacked. Yeah, they're a thick cat for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what I was realizing too, the clouded leopard. I mean, they're very distinct. I think for the rest of my life, and that's why I do this podcast, I will always be able to tell them apart from the other cats. Mm-hmm. Smaller in size, but then these just big oval clouds. I mean, they really do look like 
different shaped clouds or rounded elliptical clouds, uh, but they're just so darling. And oh. big paws, which yep. once again, they use a lot for climbing. And we'll get to it, but huge teeth. Huge canines. Yes, yes. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But you know, stay tuned for that because we're going to talk a lot about it. It's very unique in the felids. Now, the, the clouded leopard has a pretty diverse range. And they go f- from Nepal, so the Himalaya foothills, mm-hmm. Bhutan. From the north. Mm-hmm. Right, from the north, down into India, but more of where we just were in Nagaland. Mm-hmm. So not... The if you go back to the Amur Falcon, not the 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 major part of India, but that little offshoot that's off to the east, mm-hmm. that where Nagaland is. So they go down into there, China, parts of China, and then down you know the Mal- Malaysian Peninsula, Vietnam, Cambodia, that part of the world. Now the Sunda clouded leopard are just on the islands of Borneo and Sumatra. Mm-hmm. So that's where they live. So the two the two species of clouded leopard, right? And then they're just, you know, usually tropical forests and and then they can go up to 3000 meters, which is pretty crazy. I mean, you could think of the, the like I said very diverse range. Of oh yeah, I mean cat. they're found in grasslands, tropical forests mostly, but uh, scrubland, coastal hardwood, log forests, mangrove forests. So uh they can they can Go wherever there are trees, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, very important. The trees are very important for them. Now, Angie, why care? I mean, obviously a, a medium-sized Just carnivore. Just Google a picture of them. That's <laughs> yes. all. That's yes, all I there have. You go. I mean, who doesn't love cats? But yeah, I mean, medium-sized. They, they, they definitely have a specific niche. You know, they're up there with tigers or leopards. I mean, you know, the, the larger leopards. Yeah, they're a top predator, uh, especially in the regions. And we're going to talk about some of their overlap as far as uh, with tigers go. But in their area, if especially when tigers and leopards are not present, they're going to be the top dog or the top cat, pardon the pun, uh, <laughs> in their range. And they're going to help control the population of several species prey species, but of course, um, cervids or the deer family come to mind as far as wanting, as far as not having excess of deer species or those types of herbivores, because then those put more stress on the plants, right? Mm -hmm. So too many deers equal not enough plants when there aren't any, uh, top predators around. Yeah. I mean, they're just, it's, you got to protect the food chain or food web, you know, exactly. all around it's, it's, you know, you remove this, this animal from the ecosystem, there's going to be a lot of effects, you know, up and down the chain. And they're pretty much at the, near the top, if, if not at the top, like you mentioned in some areas. Now they are facing many pressures. They are heading towards extinction. Again, any animal on the list, that means they are heading towards extinction. They're vulnerable. That means mm-hmm. they, they, they can be upgraded if there's conservation action taken. If there's no conservation action taking, then they will slip into extinction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when we're thinking about why care, uh, I just want to touch on really quick uh, some of the challenges of breeding clouded lepers under human care. Um, unlike other species of big cats like tigers and lions, I mean, when those guys are under good welfare conditions and being well taken care of, they breed pretty well. Um, however, clouded leopards, 
a lot of it is we just don't know a ton about their behavioral biology. They're very, a really elusive cat in the wild. And so they've been difficult for a lot of researchers to study. And, and so a lot of what we've learned about them is with them under human care. But the biggest challenge of them under human care has been uh, mate compatibility. So when they put a male and female together, there's actually like a lot of aggression. And I mean, aggression where it can result in death. And so caretakers learn that pretty early on, like, okay, we got to change what we're doing. And now they've, uh, through zoos working together, uh, they have learned, uh, they have been able to breed them successfully under human care. They often have to put the male and female together when they're really young, like less than a year old. Uh, and so they can kind of grow up and mature together. And then they have a little bit more luck. But just getting a really successful pair bond that will then actually breed has been really, really, really hard. So presently, a lot of times they'll actually hand rear the cubs to make sure that none um, perish like uh, with, with under parental care or, um, and then they can pick what male and female to, can be together when they're younger. So it's just not super ideal. It's one of the reasons why people's zoo staff, researchers alike say, we really want them out in the wild. They do better there. Uh, we want to learn more about them under human care. And of course they make, you know, a good exhibit animal, but in the same instance, we know that this is not a population that we can maybe manage and help prevent from extinction like some of the other species, right? If you think of like black and white rhino, a lot of times we want to breed them and get their numbers up under human care in case they go extinct in Africa. Um, the cloud leopard is an example where it would be, if they go extinct in their natural habitat, it'd be pretty hard to yeah. keep that species going. Yeah. And but it's one of these reasons, too, I really want to highlight why zoos matter, because they have put a lot of energy into helping us learn about their care and management, but also giving back to uh, wild cloud lepers. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, and I'll talk about it a little bit later in the podcast, but there's um, a group called the Clouded Leopard Project, which is a nonprofit corporation based out of Tacoma, Washington. And it was started by the Point Defiance chapter of the American Association of Zookeepers. So a team of zookeepers from that zoo said, we're going to create this nonprofit to like give money back to research researchers that are working in clouded leper habitats and uh, the local people in the area. And so through this, they've been able to help give back to wild cloud, cloud lepers. And that's just and one example of the many things that zookeepers at accredited wow. zoos are doing behind the scenes to help the wild counterparts of whatever species they take care of. And then also through the Smithsonian National Zoo, a zoo in Thailand, and Nashville Zoo, they've also uh, been able to radio collar uh, a few clouded leopards um, and try to study and understand more of what they're doing when they are out in the wild. How far do they travel? Where do they live? Will they go near logged areas? Will they not? all sorts of things. And so and so on that note, there's a lot of people that do care about them and are uh, fighting to keep their numbers from declining more than they already have. Um, but it is uh, it is something we need to keep our eyes on. 
Yeah, the ones I was uh, when I was bebopping around the San Antonio Zoo, it was they were from Jacksonville Zoo. So you guys will have to take the kids up there. And Max was the male, large male. He was hand reared, I think, at the Jacksonville Zoo, if I remember right. And then th- they had three females that they were, mm-hmm. you know, again trying to breed eventually and doing some research. Yeah, like it's it's a big deal when um when they when they have kits and it works out and everything. So. Right. It's definitely not taken for granted and it's considered still a huge success when it happens. And so we are learning a lot more about them, but it would be definitely ideal if they could just be in the wild doing their own thing. I can only imagine a cloud leopard kitten. Like I would just be like, ah! <laughs> You're like, oh, shoot, we have to hand rear it. Yes. Darn. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll volunteer for that yeah. one. But, I'll but stay you, up late. No, you, you make a great point too. It just it, When you were talking about that, it made me think of Global Conservation Force, Mike Veal, a zookeeper that started that. You know, Mike Bona's now doing the giraffes. You have Lauren Ayers doing the pangolins. All zookeepers, all mm-hmm. networking getting involved mm-hmm. on the ground in Africa, on the ground in Vietnam, working to save these animals. So they deserve our support. Yeah. When I ran across it, it gave me goosebumps. I was like, yay, Point Defiance and yay, uh, the American Association of Zookeepers. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a member of them. And mm-hmm. and I was very active when I worked at Lincoln Park Zoo mm-hmm. with the group. And so, it, yeah, it's um, it just goes to show that there's lots of people that want these animals to do well. Yeah. Especially like... An obscure cat like the cloud leopard, like you said, there's tons of cats we need to cover. Tons of smaller cats mm-hmm. that are wild, not feral from domestic cats. These are actually wild little cats, you know, some of them in Africa and Asia, and we want to start highlighting them. So we'll probably, we'll definitely do more cats within the next few months because they, they just have amazing stories to tell and, and amazing behaviors and physiology. Angie, really quick, since cloud leopards are facing so much, they don't have a big spotlight on them, but tigers do. And so I just want to highlight, again, this portion of the world is still suffering. And and, and I want to highlight tigers because they share very, very similar environments with the cloud leopards. And a lot of the pressures tigers are feeling, cloud leopards are feeling too. So that's where I think this can be tied in. In 2010, government ministers from 13 countries had a meeting talking about wild tiger populations. And these 13 countries were committed to doubling the numbers of tigers in their countries by 2022. And in Southeast Asia, that is not going to be met next year. And in in this region of the world, they've actually seen tiger populations either decline or go extinct in their countries. So Over the past few years, tigers have gone extinct in Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. So you can no longer find tigers there. And then tiger populations have dropped in Indonesia, Myanmar, Malaysia, and even in Thailand. So all these are are parts of this this consortium that said they were going to increase tiger populations. So tigers are still on you know, decreasing Sumatran tigers, less than 600 of them left. So they're, they're now critically endangered and they're losing again. This is where palm oil is, is booming. So we talk about orangutans and then we talk about tigers, that part of the world of Indonesia and Malaysia, they have lost their habitat. So again, that is going to affect the Sunda 
or the other clouded leopard in that part of the world. So uh, there's only two, po- you know, the Sumatran tigers, there's only two populations, viable populations with 30 breeding females each. That's it. Like It's crazy. Oh, they're really in deep, deep trouble. The Malaysian tiger, it's critically endangered. They think there's maybe 100 of them left. The Indo-Chinese tiger, so in Thailand, there's fewer than 200 left there. You know, then there's a few breeding populations, but very, very tiny, tiny. So that's the highlight. Now in... in, I'd call that the low light, but... Right. Well, yeah, okay. The low light. (laughs) Yeah. The good news is tiger populations are increasing in India, Bhutan, China, Russia, and Nepal. So those countries, part of this consortium are meeting their goals, but the other countries aren't. Okay. So there is an upcoming conference in November this year, and they're going to be talking about this and, and see if they can recommit to preserving what tigers are left in the wild. I mean, they're in, they're in deep, deep trouble. So for the clouded leopard, they're feeling all those pressures, losing their habitat. And then for... These, these poaching incidents for tigers, clouded leopards, like in, in these snares and stuff, they find clouded leopards trapped and dead in these snares all the time. And the World Wildlife Fund thought there's about 12 million snares set throughout Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia, where tigers used to be mm-hmm. in trying to get bushmeat or other animals that these clouded leopards get trapped in. Well, Chris, that reminds me with my interview with Dr. Barney Long about uh, Vietnam and Laos and how he's hiked in those jungle areas. And he says you can't hike for more than 20 feet without finding one. He's yeah, like, I mean, just... the description of it was just so vivid and sad and just, and it's, and they're not going necessarily after clouded leopards or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And they're going after just local, small carnivores and herbivores that live in the area. They're not trying to get any quote-unquote big game or anything like that it's just those animals get hung up in them because they don't know any better so yeah it's it's really really sad yeah it is it is it is and and hopefully you know so what, what was the positive happy note here? no the positive <laughs> news is tigers are doing well in other parts of asia true, true. just in these these certain parts of asia they're doing really bad and again that's where clouded leopards are and so in some of these countries, like parts of India, Nepal, Bhutan, and China, clouded leopards are probably doing all right. But mm-hmm. in other parts of Asia, they're they're not doing well at all. You know, and then you get down into the, the ones in Sumatra and Borneo and, and they're just in trouble. So again, we just gotta, you know, Angie and I just we, we just give you the facts. We're, but there's people out there fighting for them. Again, when Angie talks about zookeepers, there are always between Behind every animal, there are people on the ground where these animals live, people across the world fighting for the, the those species. So, so don't ever lose hope. Please don't ever lose hope. No, and that's why we're here. We will bring you, like Chris said, a lot of the sobering news, but then also the fact that there are lots of good people fighting for them. And of course, that these animals are worth fighting for and worth falling in love with and worth sharing and caring and telling their stories and the cloud of leopards, just too beautiful not to share their story. But because of their amazing pattern on their 
of uh, that their coat makes, which is once again, it's stunning. It's breathtaking. They're poached too. And, and I believe in most of the countries it's illegal, but you know, here and there, um, poachers will still get by and, um, and try to like make coats out of it and things like this. So never, never, never Mm-mm. buy anything that looks like remotely could be from a, a, a pelt from wild animal. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's almost to the point where I don't like, don't even really want to wear like a, like a leopard t-shirt, right? Like, you know, where they just make the print yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. where, I mean, everybody's like, oh, you love animals. You must love like zebra stripes and and I and I do. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like I don't know. I just don't. I don't want to send the wrong message of like wearing like a, you know, leopard print T-shirt. Obviously, it's not from an animal. And so I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud right now. But I so just I should just make sure you know where your stuff comes from, and also obviously stay away from fast fashion whenever possible. So that zebra hide jacket I got you, I should put away. Uh, <laughs> yes, the fake one, the fake one, the fake one. Okay. yeah, all of it. All so, right. All, right, all right, that's a good point, though. That's a very good point. You know, never wear fur. Period. It, it's even faw fur. Is, it comes from what we learned: raccoon dogs, you mm-hmm. know, that are farmed for that. Mm-hmm. that that's most of the, the 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 fake quote unquote fur isn't fake. It it comes from other animals, just not like a fox or something. All right, so Cloud Leopard Evolution, some interesting stuff about this. It, it's I'm going to get to, because we're going to start talking about their teeth. But there are Cloud Leopards, the Order's Carnivores, which is almost 280 species of carnivores. So we've still got plenty to talk about. Andrew. Wow, yeah, a couple years worth of work. <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> the suborder is the Filiformia. So this is the cat-like carnivores, 56 genera, 114 species. Then the family is Felidae. So if we go back to that Filiformia, that's where mm-hmm. the Ardwolf and do you remember the other the other species that you would think would be a dog or canid and it's not? Here's a hint: you saw them in Kruger. Oh, hyenas! Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little baby hyena. See, that was a good hint. I appreciate okay. it. <laughs> there you go. The hyena watching in Kruger was phenomenal. Oh yeah, moms with their. I guess pups or kids. Yeah, pups, I don't know. Yeah, pups, yeah. moms yeah. with their pups, uh, for hours. It was just amazing. Oh uh, yeah, I know. Those I want to go back to Kruger. Impressive. I'm already trying to think. Like, okay, okay, what's the next big event in John and I's <laughs> life when we could yeah. actually afford it? I know. So, uh, anyways, needless to say, it's like ten years out, but maybe not. You never know. Well, okay, so that's the feel for me. Then the family's feel a day. These are the cats. Forty-one species. Interesting, cloud of leopards fall into Pantherinidae, which are the okay. bigger cats. Mm-hmm. So you have the leopards, which includes cloud leopards, tigers, lions, jags, and snow leopards. Now, the genus is Neophilus. And then, of course, you have the two species, the, the general clouded leopard. So Neophil- Neophilus nebolsa. No, nebolosa. Nebolosa. Then the Sunda clouded leopard is Neophilus diardi. So those are the two species names. Again, cat evolution, every carnivore goes back to the myocids about 60 million years ago. And then it was about 42 million years ago during the Eocene where feliforms and caniforms, so the felids and the canids diverged. Mm -hmm. So that happened about 42 million years ago. And the cat-like species, the feliforms, stayed forest-dwelling, whereas 
the canids were more like when the in the savannas and stuff because they run and cats are ambush hunters things like that so the earliest cat felid appeared about 30 million years ago and then all living felids had about a common ancestor that emerged out of asia about 11 million years ago interesting about clouded leopard is they're one of the most ancient of all the big cats Right, that's what I was reading, yeah, which yeah. is really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, that they were the first to diverge out, genetically diverge out from this common ancestor anywhere from like five to nine million years ago. So, and that's based on their nuclear DNA that they're able to figure out, okay, out of this tree, they were the first ones to come out. And the modern clouded leopard we see today emerged anywhere from one to two million years ago. Gotcha. So okay. th- they've been they've been around a long time, a long time. Think of all the different cat species that that didn't make it, and this one did. You know where you know you had saber tooth cats, which I'm going to get to here in a second. But you had all these different types of cats that went extinct end of ice age, but here here the cloud leopards have 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 persisted and mm-hmm. survived through it. Yes, and hopefully we can keep them persisting and yes, surviving millions and millions more years. Oh, I hope so. Gosh, I hope so. Now, getting to those teeth, the clouded leopard, this is what one of the most fascinating facts about clouded leopards is they have this massive mouth that can open wider than any cat. I have a, I had a picture of Max yawning which was fascinating back in the day and their teeth. Okay. So, so hold on. What do you say? Hold on to your seats or <laughs> strap me in. <laughs> Put their on your te- seatbelt folks. Yes. Here you go. Their teeth are two inches long. Their canine teeth are two inches long, the same size of those of a tiger. Yes. The clouded leopards have the longest canine teeth relative to head and body size of any of the other cats or any other other feedlids. So if you just stop for a second and just imagine two inches or about five centimeters, I mean, that's like the length of my thumb or more. And although you might think that doesn't seem very big compared to their skull size, right? They have this long, narrow skull compared to other feedlids and this well-developed crest that helps support these jaw muscles to open up the jaw, like Chris mentioned, really, really far uh, for their size. And then these front canine teeth stick out the sides of their mouth, looking like a saber-toothed cat, in my opinion. They are the modern saber-tooth. They are the modern, that's what we have. I mean, you compare a cloud of leopard to a tiger, it is night and day. I mean, they, like you mean how those canines look in yeah, their mouth, right? Tigers mm-hmm. are massive. I mean, you've been up close to tigers. I've been up close to tigers. And then you look at a little cloud leopard and they have the same size canine teeth. That's yeah, we'll have, crazy. To, we'll have to throw a picture of their yeah. skull uh, um, up on yeah. up on our show notes because that's what really did it in for me. I'm a very visual learner. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when I saw that, I was like, okay, well, I need to read more. I got to find out more. So. Mm-hmm. I think we're probably not doing it justice, but I think if we can uh, put a picture of the skull on our show notes, that'll really, yeah. really help. But yeah, it's I mean, huge. it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's a modern day saber tooth, according to researchers. So, yeah. And so I, 
I mentioned this in some podcast. It, it was a recent one. I'm like, oh, I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to look look up saber tooth cats and figure out how they hunted with these massive teeth. Like, what was the evolutionary advantage for them to evolve these massive canines? And how did they eat? How did they hunt? You know, could you imagine that it just doesn't seem because we watch, you know, cheetahs and, and lions hunt and tigers hunt. It just those teeth don't seem like they would give you much of an advantage, but they did. It did, obviously, because they evolved and they survived for, you know, probably a million years. Now, the Smilodon had the largest, which was 11 inch canines. Holy macaroni. Which yeah. is the size of my foot. They're big. <laughs> it's a banana. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're. They're the size of, of what lions, maybe a little bit bigger than a male lion or, you know, a large tiger. And they died out only 8,000 years ago, which is nothing. No. Geological time frame. Mm-hmm. They, they just, just died out yesterday. And so I was curious why and how they used them. So some like bioengineers, they, they, they looked at this, you know, obviously talking to animal behaviorists. So what they think these teeth did is they cut and slash their prey in their throats. They like cut their throats with these teeth. So where a lion or say a cheetah will asphyxiate their prey, crush the windpipe, you know, animal goes out quickly. These ones, it must've been really gory and bloody would go and slash with these teeth and cut the throats. And then they would probably bleed out quickly and die. Mm-hmm. And their jaws didn't have the crushing power of, say, a lion. So their bite force was about a third of that of a lion. And then the other thing they, they've noticed about these skeletons and stuff, it, it's really cool. This I, I kind of went down this rabbit hole with them, but is they were super powerful in the front, kind of like jaguars, you know, very, very muscular, very powerful neck, very pow- pow- powerful arms. They would ambush their prey, grab them, and then slash them and get them down and then eat. And it, it's cool because they found so many of these skulls and skeletons in the La Brea tar pits in LA, which is, I went uh, a couple years ago, I went to, to La Brea when I was back home in, in California. It's just, I remember as a kid going there, you know, all of the animals that they've pulled out of those tar pits was Smilodon was one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of how they use it. but and, and they could open their mouth like as wide as a clouded leopard. So clouded leopards, if some scientists are saying if we let them keep evolving, they may become more like a saber tooth. Those teeth may get longer because it does give them some advantage when they, they are hunting. Um, but I read they, they could, cloud leopards can open their mouths almost 100 degrees. Like just huge, huge. So anyways, it was kind of fun to kind of go down that, that quick rabbit hole. You could learn more, go online. I, I think maybe I'll try to find a video and post it on the, the show notes of a, of a saber tooth cat hunting and how they use those fangs. But, you know, it's just, it, it's just amazing. The similarities I got, I got all dorked out, especially with evolution. So there you go. Love it. I love it. Well, the average lifespan of wild cloud leopards is about 11 years. But under human care, they've been recorded up to 17 years. And so the average um, when they're in zoos is about 13 to 15 years. 
So yeah, they don't really have a ton of predators in the wild uh, besides humans, of course. And sometimes humans will use dogs to track them. Um, but they're going to avoid humans and they do share a lot of the range with tigers and leopards, but I don't think tigers and leopards typically go after clouded leopards from my understanding. Well, yeah, clouded leopards are usually up in the trees because that does one thing that's really amazing about them is their ability to climb. And I think you're talking a little bit about that in behavior because they pretty much just live in the trees, right? I mean, they come down and hunt and eat, maybe even take them up. It's, It's like almost leopards in Africa. That's why you don't see them, right? Well, Chris, you're right on. I mean, cloud leopards spend a ton of time in their trees. They're very arboreal. We'll talk about their acrobatics here in a second and their ability to climb up and down trees. Uh, And so scientists originally thought that they must have hunted mostly from the trees because they're just always up there. Uh, but they do think, depending on which type of habitat they're living in, um, that they they will they will do some hunting from the ground. Um, but once again, it depends on where they're living and what and what prey is around. Uh, they're overall for a large predator, they're they're pretty adaptable, like where they can live and things like this. But they can take down big prey. I mean, in general, um, like you mentioned, because of their their large canines and their strong legs. But what I couldn't get over is their ability for climbing and their adaptations to live in trees and to spend time in trees, hunt in trees, because their claws, their paws, and their legs of the cloud leopard are made for climbing. And these facts make them one of the best climbers in the feedlid family. So their legs are relatively short compared to other felids. But the hind limbs are longer than the forelimbs. So that gives them a little edge for jumping and for going up and down trees. But what's also crazy is their ankles have this wide range of motion. They can rotate um, to help them grip when they are going up and down trees. And when I say up and down trees, I mean down trees head first okay climbing they, not like running or falling no no it's slowly climbing, yeah. or stalking or whatever um in fact they are one of the only species of cats that can come down a tree head first right well i don't know if any of our listeners have but i had my cat buster bless his heart i love him uh he was stuck in a tree and we had to get the ladder out. And John was like, we'll leave him there. He'll come down, blah, 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 blah. But then it was getting nighttime. And it was around Halloween. He was like a black and white cat. And he had snuck out. And so John rescued Buster. He's my hero. <laughs> we didn't have to call the fire department. But domestic cats will sometimes do that. They'll go up trees and then they don't know how to get down. Mm-hmm. Where if you watch a squirrel, squirrels are amazing. I love squirrel yeah. watching just in my neighborhood. Uh, they can go zip up and zip down trees. And they'll go down trees head first very mm-hmm. slowly. Cats can't do that in general. The only species of cats that are known to be able to climb a tree down head first, like Chris said, not running, like Mm -hmm. slowly climb, is a clouded leopard. And then two others. Did you come across this, Chris? Oh, no. Oh, no. Here I am. Okay. They're really unique cats. You may have never even heard of them. One cat is from Central and South America area. It's pretty small. And another one is from the Himalayas and Southeast Asia area. Oh, is it that? Also si- pretty small. 
I know the tiny one. That's the one I wanted to cover in the Himalayas. Oh, what was not the black footed cat? That's like no. One tiny, oh, one. um, here we can uh, we can play. <laughs> let me let me think of a good clue. Okay. Um, this is your table might be like this, or it's a game that kids play with little circle balls, circle. glass circles. Marbles. Yes, marble yes, marbled cat. Very good. Wow, where's that one? I've never heard that one. That one's from um, Eastern Himalayas to Southeast okay, Asia. Not, okay, marble cat. Okay, it's, I know it's there's a tiny small. one in India. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The other one, I don't. It's just I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> even know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's um I think I'm pronouncing this right. Um, Margay cat. Okay. M a r g a y. I think the black footed cat's Africa. It's like Africa's smallest cat. Okay. I think that's the one. I don't know. That's but, the one I want to cover because it's like, okay. how the heck does that thing survive in Africa? But well, it doesn't. Yeah. It's not able to climb down. Well, a no, at first. no, 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 not like this. <laughs> so, yeah. It's just the clouded leopard, the marbled cat, and the margay cat from Central and South America. It only and the mar um and just for the record, the margay cat only weighs like two to four kilograms or six to eight pounds, nine mm-hmm. pounds. So very yeah. small. Yeah. So with that being said, the clouded leopard that weighs a lot more than that, you know, 50 pounds or whatever is able to go down head first down a tree, which is just some amazing, um, arboreal acrobatics. But other than that, they can also hang upside down while moving horizontally through branches and they can hang from branches only using their hind feet. Yeah, snatch prey that I read. Like that's mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. And so the tail, the, that really long tail for their body size can come in handy because it does help them um, act like a brace when they're mer- moving around up and down, uh, up and down tree trunks. But Chris, what really helps enable the clouded leopard to do all these aerial acrobatics are, is the fact that they have these ankles that can kind of rotate. So their claws can actually go in the tree the right way. Like if you think of your house cat, it's, you know, it has its claws out, it goes up the tree, but the claws are still curved the wrong way for going down. Where the cloud leopard, the ankles can rotate and they have these huge, large padded feet with retractile claws and these joints that can re- rotate almost backwards to help them get down the tree slowly and safely or hunt that way. So just, just, Really, really, really cool. And I was watching lots of uh, videos of them on YouTube moving around. I didn't see any of these. Um, I didn't see any like of these specific crazy era um, arboreal acrobatics, but I did see a lot of just they're super agile and they can go where they want to go when they want to go up and down trees. I mean, they're made to live in trees. They're happy in trees and they're just a beautiful, beautiful kitty cat. Yeah. The clouded squirrel. I mean, I mean, oh, leopard. I mean, it, it acts right. like a squirrel of trees. It's mm-hmm. insane. It's insane for, and it's not a small cat. No, like I said, the other two, yeah. the marbled and the Margate cat. There's those are small cats, yeah. uh, uh, wild cats, but still smaller. No, and the clouded leopard can easily jump one and a half meters, almost four feet when it needs mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, researchers originally thought that it was nocturnal because it's so secretive. Uh, living in trees and just it hides itself from humans is definitely more scared of you than you are of it. Um, but in under human care, they've seen diurnal activity, right? So dusk and dawn. And so they think depending on what regions they live in and what prey is around that they, they might be mostly nocturnal, but they might hunt diurnally as well. So in a radio collared studies showed that the wild clouded leopard had more of the crepuscular behavior so dusk and dawn activity peaks 
And in regards to their social behavior, the cloud leopard is going to spend most of its time solitary, probably similar to other leopards. And we don't know a ton about their social systems. Um, we do know that the uh, male and female will be together during a breeding season and form um, a mating pair bond. And then the male doesn't have much of a parental role, but of course a female will spend a lot of time with her cubs. But other than that, they probably spend a lot of time alone in solitary, up in trees, just being beautiful, camouflaging into the canopy. And researchers do know that cloud leopards um, will use those long claws to help mark their territory to say, hey, this is mine. Um, and then uh, they'll also spray urine and um, do a lot of uh, rubbing on different trees and things like that, like you, you might see your cat do at home. It's really cute. Um, one of our cats, Phoenix, she's very, very old and she's turned really lovey in her old age, which is great. And so she always will like rub her chin on you. And it was really cute. John taught the boys that that means that she's like marking you as her territory. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. she'll come do it. And Xander will be like, mom, dad, look, Phoenix is saying I'm all hers and only hers. <laughs> it's so cute. But yes. And as far as vocalizations go, this is where I went down a wee bit of my own rabbit hole because it's known that the clouded leopard, it cannot roar like some of the larger cats, right? We all know the amazing roar off by John and I um, in the lion episode, right? Didn't John and I do a roar off to see yes, who won? Yes. Did I win? I think I won. Yes, I was upset. you did because- He should have won. I mean, honestly- He was drinking he... some wine that night, I remember. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so, but at any rate, they don't roar like that, right? Um, but they will make a lot of growling and mewing, hissing, kind of spitting type noises. And then I wanted to find out if they purr because I always forget which cats can purr and which ones can't. I know tigers can chuff and, and of course my house cat can purr, things like that. Um, and so I started looking around the internet and because a lot of the cloud lepers are hand reared and under human care, a lot of times it, you can touch like their shoulders or things like that. So there's a, this video I saw of a clouded leopard making this purring sound as a human is, you know, sticking their hands through the fence. I'm sure it's, I don't know what, I don't know. If careful. Do careful. I don't know. <laughs> who, yeah. It's not a, what? it's not a public. It's probably one of the caretakers or zookeepers. Yes, yes, there you and, go. and don't it's, stick it, your hand in yeah, a clouded leopard the, exhibit. You'll lose And it. the clouded leopard's really small. And yeah. so it's, and, but it's, it's making this purring sound. And so I'm doing all this research online and it's like, well, they don't purr. Cloud lepers do not purr, uh, but they do have a hyoid bone, and that's the bone that your uh, tongue muscles basically like tie into. And so they have one of those, and so it probably could purr. But typically, they make the low intensity snorting nose uh, called the Proustian or the chuff. That's what the tiger will do when they love you. The <laughs> like that type of noise. It's not one of my best, but anyways, <laughs> uh, I. I'm just drinking decaf coffee, so I, I maybe need the wine to do a better chuff. It's okay. But, it's okay. Uh, or maybe caffeinated coffee. That we can go back to the tiger action. episode. Was, yes. Uh, yeah. So ago. I'm going back and forth. And Chris, I am not kidding you. I, I'm spending 20 minutes or a half an hour on this because I'm like, oh, this cloud leopard is purring, but I can't find anywhere that says it that does this. And I'm like, I can't be the first person to describe this because I just started studying cloud leopards like a week ago, right? 
So John comes home and I ask him and he says, I don't think they, I don't think so. And then I show him the video and he's like, whoa. And then anyways, dork Angie and dork John go back and forth. And he's like, well, I know I will call my clouded leopard contact in my phone and double check. <laughs> I got on speed dial. Or yes. her on speed dial, yeah. Yes. And it went down just like that. Um, she did not answer because I think it was probably like nine o'clock at night. Bonnie is her name. And she was the uh, stud bookkeeper for a long time for cloud leopards. And so he texted her and I, don't, I just probably said, my wife is a dork. What, what do you know? And um, according to our Clouder Leopard um, species management contact, no, they do not. And so I'm like, well, I'm like, John, I know, but send her this video. And then I stopped and I thought through it. And then it dawned on me in this video. I think I sent it to you, Chris, but the cat is making that noise, but it's not consistent. It's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Where a purr is like they're breathing while they always, do it. It's, yeah, it's the, you know, all that long. So, yeah. so I think the animal, I think the cat was snoring. Okay, okay, okay. I think it was maybe asleep yeah. and it was like snoring or breathing hard. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was a chuff. It might have been a, maybe, maybe mm. a chuff, but not a good, maybe it was bad at chuffing, but it was not consistent. And that's where. You can, that's where everything, because of course online it was like, this cloud leper's purring. Like if you Google it now, you'll find it probably. And that's where, you, once again, folks, you need to have your clouded leopard contact in your phone at all times because you cannot <laughs> believe everything you see online. No, <laughs> right? you, no, not at all. God, and not that's, this day and age. And this whole harangue, I apologize for, that's just the scientist in me mm-hmm. and wanting to make sure we bring our listeners the correct information. And right. unless there's another cloud leopard contact out there that can prove mine wrong. Uh, yeah. They do not purr, but they do make this low intensity snorting, chuffing sound. And I guess this one online was maybe snoring. I don't know. Maybe. But okay, it, I'll looked, see if, it's, yeah. it seemed like purring to me, minus the breaks in between for breath. Yeah, I'll look to see if we can post, if we can embed that on the, the website or at least provide the link that people can watch that. And then just to reiterate, do not stick your hand in a clouded leopard exhibit at all. When I interacted with them, what's for the trainer? Was, yeah, and he was. I think I think I scratched Max if I remember on the shoulder through the cage wire, nowhere near his face, and he was leaning up against it because they were training him for injections and things like that. That's what that's what you guys do as zookeepers. So I was not reaching my hand in an exhibit where that animal could take it. You know, it could, they could do a lot of damage if they wanted. Oh, to. Oh, well, those canines, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they yeah, look yeah. super cute with their cartoon, awesome face. Yeah. But yes, no, no. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, I, yes, I believe they do not purr, but they make <laughs> yeah, other okay. really cool noises, and they are darling. That's for sure. And then Angie, you were talking about the, their solitary nature and some of their their ability to climb. What they hunt really is is macaques. Gibbons, oh poor Gibbons! I know, I saw it. I know, but it's all right. I mean, there's only so many Gibbons left too. You know, I, the slow loris, uh, poor thing. Small deer, wild boars. Again, like Angie Porcu- said, the porcupines. Porcupine. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Let's see that one. Civets. Civets. Yeah. Wild boars. Birds, rodents. Mouse so, deer, muntjac, hog deer. Yeah, yeah. So quite a bit, quite a bit of a mm-hmm. array. Whatever they. Can well, when catch. we talk about their, I like I describe it in my ecology classes. It's not 
a food chain is actually not even really, we're not throwing that term out, but it's more of a web Mm -hmm. because animals hardly ever eat the same thing. Some, some are picky about they eat and will eat the same thing over and over, but usually it's a web of interconnectedness. Yeah. 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 It's filled with those givens. Uh, I love them. But reproduction, I mean, we talked about the difficulty in zoos, you know, trying to mm-hmm. maintain an emergency mm-hmm. population. What do we know about them in the wild? So, Chris, a lot about their breeding and reproductive behaviors really comes from observing them under human care in zoos. We don't know a ton about their breeding behavior in the wild, which is crazy if you think about it because they're such an iconic species, but they're so secretive, right? Um, So what we do know is mating often occurs between December and March, uh, but we do think it can occur anytime throughout the year, especially because the cloud leopard lives in tropical regions, right? So they might be less seasonal in the wild than they are under human care. And when they are looking for a mate and or ready to breed, a lot of times they'll make uh, long vocalizations that are like a moaning call. Uh, and it, researchers think it's a, a, a mating call because it can travel really far and um, it may also be used to tell other males like, hey, this is my territory as well. And the female cloud leopard is going to want to be receptive to a male when she's in estrus, uh, so when, when her estrogen levels are high, and that's going to last for only about six days at a time. And she does have a couple cycles uh, throughout the breeding season, and each one lasts about 30 days. And so when male and female do get together and breed successfully, uh, the gestation period for captive clouded leopards is usually anywhere from 85 to over 100 days. Uh, and so a female cow leopard will give birth to typically one to two kittens per pregnancies, but there's been up to five documented as well, which that would be darling. Wow. Five right? kittens? Mm-hmm. How do you get them all in the tree? I don't know. Busy yeah, mom, know. right? Know. But well, like I said, one to two is more normal. Yeah, um, yeah. And the kittens are born so darling. Like you said, they they do have large spots, uh, but they're not they're not the characteristic patterns of those beautiful elliptical ovals of the adults. They don't really get that mark marking until I think they're like six months old or so, but they're still super darling and they're tiny. They're like 140 to 280 grams when they're born, depending on how many are in the litter, how many, um, how many siblings they have. And their eyes, their eyes are closed. In fact, their eyes don't open until they're about anywhere from two to 10 days old. And then um, clouded leopard kittens don't even start walking until they're about 20 days old. Uh, And they learn to climb trees when they're about six weeks old. So, but once they learn, they learn fast. Um, Mm -hmm. I read a report where it said uh, like a 10 to 12 week old kitten could take down a chicken. So that instinct comes in pretty quickly, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And... As far as parenting goes, the male doesn't have any role, and the female will, uh, of course, uh, produce milk for her kittens, uh, and that's the only food they get until they're about seven to ten weeks old, and then they basically start killing chickens. <laughs> so uh, they're gonna um, uh, clouded leopard clouded leopard kittens are gonna wean themselves around ten to fourteen weeks, but they will stay with their mom, and they learn how to hunt. 
until they're almost a year old, 10 to 12 months. And so it's a really important time for the clouded leopard juveniles to learn these skill sets from their mom as far as how to take down all that various prey that Chris mentioned and how to hunt from trees, hunt from the ground, walk down a tree head first and do all these arboreal acrobatics. So it's really important that they, you know, they stay with their mom and, uh, cause otherwise they won't do well. And then in general, they're not going to reach their sexual maturity until they're about anywhere from 20 to 30 months old. So they go out on their own a little bit and then, um, hopefully, hopefully they'll breed within two to three years of age. I mean, that. Uh... It's 20 to 30 months with mom. So that's two years, probably around that. They only live to be about 11, you know, and then they're not going to be breeding, what, another couple of years after that. So a huge investment in offspring. So Mm -hmm. again, it's, it's one of the things when you start putting all these pieces together, listening to all of our podcasts, you know, coming from a repopulation standpoint, trying to maintain a species maintain populations and then increase them with some of these species, you see how hard it is to be able to regenerate. And then you talk about genetic diversity, and then you talk about ensuring enough habitat space for all of them. It's, this is where, this is where conservation is very complex. It just is very complex, a lot of moving parts. So I hope our listeners appreciate that. And I think they do. I think they do. Because like you said, these are these are vulnerable, both the clouded leopard, the Sunda clouded leopard, both are vulnerable. Their biggest, the, the largest threat to them, again, is this deforestation that's going on in that part of the world for agriculture. You know, a lot with the palm oil. That, that's, again, why we need sustainable palm oil. We need to be using those apps. We need to be avoiding it. I forget sometimes, but it's just something that... We've just got to stick it in our consciousness that we demand it and we're not going to buy products from companies that aren't supporting that. And I think a couple of podcasts ago, we, we talked about that. But organizations, you mentioned that earlier, Angie, you know, some of those groups. Yeah, we'll put on our show notes, but I want to give a big shout out to the Clouded Leopard Project. Uh, they can be found at cloudedleopard.org and then on Facebook. And once again, this um, is a project, of course, dedicated to the conservation of clouded leopards and their habitat by supporting field research and implementing education initiatives initiatives in countries where they live and just getting people excited and understanding more of why we should care about clouded leopards. So I want to, yeah, it's awesome. It was started by zookeepers, managed by zookeepers uh, for their love of cloud leopards and wanting to give back to wild clouded leopards. So a big shout out to the clouded leopard project. Yeah. And I would just say conservation tip this week, you know, obviously the palm oil one was big, but also if you have pet cats or even mess with feral cats, I'm thinking of my sister and her five feral cats outside their back door. I remember you and John had some for a while. I used to joke with you. I was going to come plant catnip around your house because you had all those feral cats. Get them spayed or neutered. Please. Yes, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Talk to um, our county yeah. does a really awesome thing where they actually will capture them. You can you can capture them and then they uh, spay or neuter them and then they actually uh, mark them. They put a marker on them. Um, sometimes it'll clip just a little tip of the ear or something and release them so that they can go be their wild 
cat self uh, without producing more of them. Yeah, that's what I tell my sister. Shout out to Melissa that, you know, when she sees them, I'm like, she says their ears are clipped, you know, so you know that they're they're fixed. And that's outside Atlanta, Georgia. So perfect. Yeah, because feral cats are are death to wildlife. I mean, I think, you know, they're just they're awful. We love them. I love cats. It's I want another pet cat one day. It's just they are death to wildlife, those outdoor cats. So well, we keep them inside because a clearly they don't know how to climb down trees. Yes, <laughs> and yes. Also to keep your wildlife uh, intact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Well, great episode, Angie. I know we will be back with some fun species we have planned coming. Yes, keep your recommendations coming. Chris and I take note of them. If you have some fa- some of your favorite small cats you want us to cover or just any species in general, we always love to hear from you, whether it's an email or, of course, a five-star review on iTunes or join us on our Facebook page. We also have an All Creatures podcast group on our Facebook group where we share a lot of fun articles and interact with each other and just basically dork out about animals, which is why we're here right so thank you everyone for listening we really appreciate your time and for um, sharing this podcast with your friends listen learn share join the movement at allcreaturespod.com